Hey, Chirocasters. Just want to talk to you a little bit about ChiroRite and why I like them so much. Even though I'm a pretty much a cash practice, ChiroRite has, since so many of us have asked, they're now making it possible for us to print insurance forms, you know, HICFA forms. Um, and they're working on it right now, which I think is really cool that they listen to their their constituents and they're doing something about this. They're actually changing and modifying their program so that those patients who want to pay in full and submit insurance can do that. I think it's fabulous. And just one other reason why my three sponsors, including Kyrite, are so fabulous. And now here's the podcast. Story of slipping and checking. Ever play golf or rather play at it for a few, if any, ever play it. It's a game that baffles you every hour, every day, every time you go out to play. Before you leave home, you have your mind all made up to play a good game. You fully set yourself, your mind is trim, your joints are properly oiled and clean so they work easily. All is just hunky-dory and you play rotten. Another case, you go to T1, your mind is clear, you have no particular worries, you're relaxed, your stance is perfect, your swing just right. Yet for some reason, darned if you know, the, the club towed your ball and you slice away off and disgrace yourself in the eyes of all. You go to another tee, you think you found out why, only to correct those defects to find out now that your ball hooks and makes no distance. It is a tantalizing game. If everything is just right, the ball takes a long jump down the fairway and then rolls about 50 yards and lands so you can get on the green with your approach. But, and here's the game, betwixt and between your mind and the score is the difference between doing those thousands of little things just right and doing hundreds of them just wrong. And here's the lesson to be learned, betwixt and between your mind that wants to succeed and the score that fails is the mind that either cares or doesn't care, concentrates or doesn't, slips and slides and checks and corrects. For between the man who plays golf and the man who plays at it is the one, who, is the one man who keeps slipping, but he keeps checking, and the other man who keeps slipping but does not know it and therefore doesn't check, therefore goes on playing a rotten game until the end of time. That was from <clears throat> The Bigness of the Fellow Within. So what B.J. Palmer here is talking about when he's talking about golf is he's not really talking about golf. He's talking about the game of life, right? And how easy it is for us to, to make mistakes. Uh, and Jim Rohn, one of my favorite uh, speakers, <clears throat> always would say that the way to success is by doing a few simple disciplines over and over every single day. The way to success is by doing a few simple disciplines over and over every single day. But I can tell you the way to failure and stress is doing a few simple things that are not success related. That, and you keep on doing those over and over and those will lead to failure and stress, right? So <clears throat> we all know people who are always getting in some kind of problem. And every day it's like, oh, this is happening and now this is happening and now this is going on and this is happening and this is, and we know people like that. And why is that? Because that what you think about comes about. So if you focus on what you don't want, I guarantee you life will give you what you don't want. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. It's just like death and taxes. There's certain things that are going to happen, and if you focus on all the bad and all the wrong, then more of the bad and wrong show up in your life. And it's called the law of attraction. The law of attraction. The law of attraction says that what you think about comes about. You literally attract what you want in your life. So if you're the kind of person or you know the kind of person who's always having this problem and that crisis and this issue and this problem and blah, blah, whatever sort of stuff that's happening with them, then chances are 
they are manifesting it in some way or another, right? Now, not to say that other, there aren't other outside circumstances and other things to blame, absolutely. But if it's happening over and over and over again, right? Just, <clears throat> just as a simple analogy, someone who wants to quit smoking, right? If you focus on, I can't quit smoking, I'm always smoking, I'm addicted, I, I can't stop. I need a cigarette, I need the cigarettes, right? Because I, I, need, I need to smoke, I need the feeling, and, and this is all you think about and ruminate about all day long, then what are your chances of quitting smoking? Pretty slim, right? So, but on the other hand, if you focus on what you want, like I want to pass boards, I want to pass OSCEs, I want to graduate at this time, I want to have a practice at a certain size, at a certain you know, day, uh, in a certain location, right? Manifest it, make it happen. And why this is such an important story, the slipping checking, is because what happens is, if you're doing simple disciplines over and over and over again, right, leading you to success, or if you're doing these simple mistakes over and over and over again leading to failure, they don't show up like the game of golf. Because in the game of golf, you're out there at the tee, you line up like this, boom, and it either works or it doesn't work. You get instant feedback. Life does not give you that, right? Now, maybe here at Life University, you get a little bit of it because you get tests every couple of weeks, right? So you're getting a little bit of this instant feedback, like you know when you blow it, right? You, you, you thought, I didn't really study for this thing, or I, I studied the wrong material, whatever, you get a poor grade. Okay, that makes sense, right? But in the real world, you have to be on top of what you are doing in order to make sure that you're always what BJ calls slipping and checking, right? Because it's really easy to get into a place where you make this wrong decision and then you make this wrong decision and then you make this wrong decision, make this wrong decision, right? And it's easy to start succumbing to making wrong decisions. But it's far better and far more effective for you to make the right decisions and lead yourself towards success. So here's just an example. <clears throat> On uh, last Friday, new patient comes in, a little boy who's two years old who is not talking. <coughs> so <coughs> the uh, intern goes in the back with, uh, with them and uh, I hear screaming and crying and pitching fits and you, I, I know whatever's happening in there isn't going well. So, uh, but I'm in the middle of adjustment and when the adjustment is done, I go like this and the intern comes out of the room and she, said, and she says, Dr. Rubin, uh, this isn't going well. I think, you know, you're going to have to do this, right? Um, and I appreciated that, right? Because that's called slipping and checking. You don't try to force something to work if it isn't working. So then after, so I went in there, and now this kid is super duper sensitive, right? This is, and this is not an unusual thing to see with kids who are headed towards being, you know, on the spectrum. Super duper sensitive, right? So go even sitting down near him, made him upset. So it wasn't just, you know, the intern, it was anybody who goes near this child that makes this child really, really upset. So the, here's, here's the, the, like the slipping and checking, here is, is the crux of what BJ was talking about. What should you do in that situation? You're trying to do an exam, you're trying to get stuff done, and you can't even look at the child without him like going hysterical. What should you do? Right? So here are the choices. It's a multiple test question, right? Multiple choice test. So A, plow through it. Right? Plow through it, even if it takes 
uh, extra time, just plow through it, get it done. Even if he's pitching a fit, even if he hates your guts, you know, even if he's just crying and he's getting hoarse and, and gagging because he's so upset, just plow through it. A. B. Stop wherever you are and say, you know what? We're going to have to do this over maybe a couple of days, right? So even though I love to get the whole exam done all at once, we're going to do this over a couple of days, right? Which is the better answer? Right, B. Now you can plow through it and I will tell you that I've had other patients come to me and say, the reason I'm here is because the other chiropractor that I went to saw how my kid pitched a fit and made me hold down one, the kid on one end and made a staff person hold down the kid on the other end and force an adjustment on the child or force an exam on the other child and I refuse to do that and you're not gonna do that, are you? I said, absolutely not. And that has happened on multiple occasions. So it's not just, I'm not making this up with this one crazy thing. You know, I've had this on multiple occasions. So why is that important? Because what am I trying to do with this little boy? Very good. Gain trust. Gain trust. That's called slipping and checking. Even though I want to finish my exam, I normally finish my exam, it's hard to write up a report of findings if you don't have your exam stuff done right? But I didn't care because earning his trust was more important than getting the exam done. Now you, then you could say, well, what did you charge the person, right? Which is not very important, but I'm sure someone's thinking it. You charge them in full. Whatever the normal exam fee is, you charge them in full. You don't say, I'm going to charge you half. No, you charge them in full because you want them to come back, right? You want them to come back and finish the exam. So they came back yesterday. We tried to, uh, uh, did my best attempt at finish, finishing the exam. He uh, was having none of it. He was having none of it. So, and we do a lot of work with like print reflexes and eyes and neurological stuff. And I could not touch this child. There was zero possibility. He was at least a little more calm, but he, he was still like just berserk. So what do I do now? I have the mom do the exam. Right? Slipping and checking. Okay, so and this, is, this hasn't happened a lot, but it's happened a few other times. I'm like, okay, mom, you're going to do this to his face. You're going to do this to his hand. You're going to take this and you're going to look at his eyes. And, we're, and then I'm at a distance like this, looking like there's a wall, and I'm looking like this. And he's, instead of being in the exam room, he's in our play area. God bless you. So I can watch him sort of from the side. And me and the intern are taking notes as to what's happening. You know, based on, so, so do I have to do the exam? Are these things that are only me can do this? I have such great, no. As long as, if they're easy enough things, right? It's not using a, a, a piece of equipment that obviously they wouldn't know, I wouldn't have them do like an EMG or something or take an x-ray. Um, but if it's something simple like stroking hands and fingers and looking at eyes and whatever, and I could teach them to do it, sure, why not? Right, slipping and checking. So then <clears throat> at the end, of the adjustment, uh, I mean, the end of, of this exam, I sat down on the floor with this boy and I started rolling a truck back and forth to him. And he's like, ah, screaming. But I roll the truck and then I roll it back to me. And I roll the truck and I roll it back to me. And I roll the truck and I roll it back to me. And what do you think he eventually starts doing? He starts pushing it back to me. I'm like, I'm in. Right? I'm in. You know, he wasn't happy, but he wasn't as unhappy. And this is how we managed to get our first gentle adjustment in. 
Now, did the, was the adjustment the perfect adjustment? Right? Was it the ideal adjustment with the kid lying face down on the table? No. But I don't care. Right? So I'm going to do a seated adjustment wherever he wants. is on mom's lap, on the floor, on a Lego table. I don't care. Right? Because what I want to do is earn trust. Because I know if I did not take this into mind, slipping and checking, and constantly change what I have to do to meet the patient's needs, then I might not have the experience that I want. And <coughs> here's an example on the other side. Okay? So a um, patient last year had a, brought in a, an autistic uh, a child who's 15. She was in a car accident with the child. And she had gone to another chiropractor that the PI attorney had recommended. Uh, and this attorney had never dealt with an autistic child before. So the child lied down uh, in a, a different room, first off, next, uh, adjacent to the mom. We have open adjusting, but she, they went in a different room. And he, had, he didn't explain anything. He didn't uh, uh, say, this is what we're going to do. And the kid lies down on his back. And what do you think he does? Crack, crack. No warning, no explanation. So what does this child do? The scream bloody murder. So the mom jumps up as she's getting adjusted, runs in the other room, sees the boy off the table on the floor going like, ah! you know, a, a typical, a, a panic sort of situation that a, a child, especially on the spectrum, would do. She's like, what did you do? And he was like, I adjusted him. Did you explain anything? Did you talk, have a conversation? Do you know the child's a special needs child? You don't just jump on these kind of things. Right? Well, they're like, uh, 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 you know, so you have some person who's never dealt with this before, but didn't think, right? Are you a robot, right? Or are you a doctor, right? If you're an automaton, then next, then that's, if that's what you think chiropractic is, that's a sad state of affairs, right? Chiropractic is constantly changing what the patient needs based upon the patient's presentation. So she came to us, and the kid is in the car, hysterical, because he doesn't want to come into the office. <clears throat> and she says, what am I going to do? Like, I said, that's totally okay. Bring him in the office. Let him just play. So she goes outside with a couple of the toys that we have and lures him inside with some of the toys you know, that we have. And he just played as we did a case history. And then I went out to the play area, and that's where we did our exam. Right? And I said, don't call me Dr. Rubin, right? Right? Just call me Drew. And this way, we, there was no like, I'm, and I don't wear a white coat like these other people did. Um, so, so there's no re representation of this. And then over time, we built trust, right? We built trust because that's the most important thing. Whether you deal with an autistic person or you deal with someone who came in like yesterday, new patient said, <clears throat> you're not the kind of chiropractor who's do those like, 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 smash me kind of adjustments. And I said, what? And she said, like sumo wrestling kind of adjustments kind of thing. She said, you're not gonna do that to me, are you? And I said, uh, and I'm wearing activator on my holster. And uh, I said, no, I, you know, I, I'm an activator chiropractor. Have you seen this you know, instrument? She said, I, I only read about it on your website. Um, she said, but I just don't want to get that kind of adjustment because the last chiropractor I went to for this situation he, even though I told him I was petrified of the adjustments, he said, it's, this is it's worth it for you to go through the fear, right? Just feel the fear and just do it anyway. No, no, respect, 
respect for what they want. Even if you do, there's nothing wrong with doing manual osseous adjustments, it's how you do it, right? So she's watching <coughs> another patient in open adjusting, seeing like how forceful, then just modify. You can't build up, right? Isn't that, isn't, wouldn't that be slipping and checking? So she, this other gentleman lost a patient because he did not listen, right? And here's probably one of the most important things that chiropractors don't do, touch the point of pain. Could you please do that? Please, touch the point of pain. I know you may not adjust the knees or whatever, you know, just touch it. Just pretend, even if you don't want to do any orthopedic tests on it or whatever, just pretend so that they know that you know what's wrong. Because if they walk out, you know, we had a person, <clears throat> as an example, who said, you know, I have these like lower extremity injuries, there's knee injuries and ankle injuries and stuff. And the last chiropractor I went to only looked at my spine and never even mentioned anything. And I always say, well, my knee hurts. And he said, oh, okay, we're fixing it. We're fixing it doing here. Don't like do that. Like I understand that you're a chiropractor and you maybe not don't work on extremities. That's totally fine, right? But don't ignore. Look at the knee, touch the knee. People want to know that you heard them, right? And I think this is so important. And some of the, the simple things that we can do is slipping and checking is you, you, you're not just trying to get yourself to the other side. You're not just trying to get the adjustment as quick as you can, do as much as you can, as hard as you can, as quick as you can. That's not, the, the idea isn't to sprint through this, right? Because you can look at that first exam and say, well, you should have done the whole exam the first time, especially if they paid. No, you do what you can. It's more important to earn trust and respect than it is to rush through something and do a halfway job and get a patient angry and now they go out in the community and talk about you negatively, right? I would rather have someone say, you know, Dr. Rubin, he recognized that my son was having a, like a tantrum and he stopped and he waited and then the next day, he, instead of, he saw my son was still upset and he made me do the exam. Like, isn't that a better conversation out in the community? Because that she's talking about right now to her friends and posting and, and Instagramming and Pinteresting and whatever else, right? Isn't that a better conversation than to say, he held my kid down and made sure he got that adjustment, right? That's just, not that it's bad or wrong, it's just two different ways of doing things. So I want to share this <coughs> story of slipping and checking because I think it's super important to understand.